1: and before we begin, I would like to acknowledge that we here at the Bad Dog Comedy Theater are broadcasting from the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. Um, So the last few weeks, I've been sharing an excerpt from an Al Jazeera featured article called Canada's Crying shame about residential schools as part of my land acknowledgement. Um, the reason I do this is because I do. Uh, it's a reminder for us to pay attention to the hi- to history as it happens, and not just apologize for things that happened in the past. So you know things are still happening today, and I I think the Al Jazeera feature article uh, does a really good job of talking about residential schools and its history. So I'm going to read a part of it in case you uh, haven't had the chance to look at it yet. Uh, Just a content warning that what I'm about to read contains upsetting themes around the trauma of residential schools. Okay, so I'm going to begin now. There were 139 residential schools attended by an estimated 150,000 First Nations Inuit and Métis children in Canada. The first school opened in 1831 and the last one closed in 1996. The institutions intended to erode indigenous culture, language and family and community ties were notorious for the neglect and abuse of the children who were forced to attend them. Thousands of indigenous children died at the schools with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, the TRC of Canada conservatively estimating between 4,000 and 6,000 deaths. So as a comment to that, uh, Those were conservative numbers. I think as of today, it's it's really, it's an upward of 7,000. In 2009, the Canadian government turned down requests from the TRC for $1.5 million in funding to help identify the location of burial sites of children at the former residential school. So anything with the words a million sounds like a lot. But $1.5 million is uh, what you're expected to pay to buy a house in Toronto, one house. So, you know, I think that really puts a perspective on the Canadian government's priorities, really. So anyway, continuing on. So some First Nations communities began using their own resources to hire specialists operating ground-penetrating radar to find the graves. And at the end of May um they uncovered the remains of 215 children buried at the uh, former Kamloops Indian Residential School in British Columbia. Um yeah, so, you know, pay attention to history and uh, this is our this is my final episode. So one thing I want to add to is I am a Filipina immigrant and settler here in um in Canada. Uh, my people the Tausug people also faced three hundred to four hundred, not to equate the two, but th- just to say that colonialism happens everywhere all the time, and it's still happening, so my people faced four hundred years of f- years of oppression, and basically uh, the thing is i'm here sitting s- talking in front of you as someone who has no idea and some very little connection to my people and Really, the in my future, I don't foresee myself going home and reconnecting to that culture, which is, I don't know, kind of sad uh, to think about. So, you know, so very complex relationship with colonialism. And uh, a part of that practice actually involves uh, us uh, of reconnecting to my culture, involves some of the folks that we've invited today. Uh, so, yeah, welcome to the show. Um, This season of five things was hosted by me. This is the last episode and I'm going to be talking to some of my where I did talk to some of my most favorite people in comedy and we got to talk a little bit about, um, you know, why they do comedy, uh, why they tell the stories that they do. And tonight, um, I'm bringing on uh, members of the Tina Collective. So before we bring them on, um 5 things is based on an improv game, so just to warm my warm warm me up. Um so Shannon, could you give me uh, a suggestion for um what I can warm up with?
0: Um five places you prefer to sit.
1: Oh. Okay, you know what? I actually think a lot about ch- different kinds of chairs. So uh, and places this, is, this is it. Thank you. My favorite chair to sit on is one that is like like a dining table. Like I would take a dining table chair over like a low chair at any point in time. I don't know. I think it's a height thing. I'm a very short person, so that might be like a Napoleon complex thing. I also love sitting under trees like because it's just so romantic. Uh have a book under a tree. <laughs> um, I love sitting on. Um, I, Oh, what am I saying? I love sitting in a hot tub. Who does it? Right? Yeah. Oh man, it's cold. A hot tub would be so nice now, but maybe not outside. I don't know. Do people do hot tubs in the winter? Anyway, moving on. Uh, fourth thing that I like to say, I love sitting in libraries. I love sitting in libraries. Uh, it's just so, I don't know. I feel smarter as soon as I'm in the library, even though I probably haven't read a a full book in a long time because you know what? I prefer documentaries. Sorry, books. I wrote a book, by the way. Haha. <laughs> uh, ha. Fifth thing, I love to sit. Oh, you know what? Like I really, really like one of my favorite places to sit is like, <laughs> this is also not, it's not a library, but a books, a bookstore. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, books, Shannon. Shannon says, sorry, books. <laughs> uh, I love sitting in bookstores. I don't know. Maybe it's the capitalist in me. <laughs> bookstores are really just libraries where you can purchase the books anyway uh, moving on uh today's guest uh is the tina collective which i am a part of so a little bit about the tina collective uh they're an award-winning or we are an award-winning all filipino ensemble of multidisciplinary artists based in toronto um we, we 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 call ourselves a sisterhood of artists based in toronto composed of actors comedians singers musicians dancers playwrights creators uh there are five of us so i guess many of us carry multiple hats anyway without further ado let's bring on two members of the Tita collective belinda corpus and mary chris Rivera. coming up hi hello hello, hello. Hi. how's it going <laughs> it's not as, as though we don't talk every day <laughs> multiple times a day but how are you <laughs>
2: I'm just thinking about my favorite places to sit now.
1: Oh, what's what is a favorite <laughs> place of yours to sit?
2: What is this chair? It's a very comfy chair that I got during I think I got during pandemic, and I have no regrets about it.
1: Is it like a thrift or a a new one?
2: No, it's a new one. I like thought about doing thrift, but it was also, you know, during the first couple months of pandemic where you're we just really paranoid. Like, are the things that I'm getting at my grocery store? Do I have to wipe that? Do I have to wipe down my fruit? And like my cereal boxes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, as so we figured, it's probably better just to go for new, but this thing's gonna last a
1: very long time. Fair, fair, fair. How about you, Belinda? Where's your favorite place to sit?
0: The ground. No, Are you okay? <laughs> Hey, fair, fair. No, I, I don't know why I said it so dramatically. No, um, you're a drama queen. <gasps> She's an actor. It's and... true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, uh, yeah like honestly like i love a good floor cushion like that was the thing during the pandemic i was like i'm gonna buy a floor cushion which is not very different from just a pillow that you put on the floor (laughs) and sit on but like
1: whatever is that what (laughs) happens when you open the package you're like oh (laughs) just just a a fancy pillow. pillow
0: That's in the shape of a square like all the other pillows and maybe extra padding. Whatever. It was it was just an impulse buy, but it had a nice design. So I love that's my favorite place to sit when I'm at home. Um it's and got the structure too. Yeah, like it's <laughs> yeah, America's a scene. Well, you've both seen it. Like it has like some like squish. <laughs> you gotta have squish. You, have you to have gotta fish. You know what? Squish I'm doing is, great.
1: Squish is good for the spine. I love a good fish <laughs> on a chair. Although I do enjoy a sturdy a sturdy chair. It's either like it's squish new. or not. Squish or no.
0: Mm-hmm. Whoa! You, you got have a squish.
1: Fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. I don't it's love the squish. True. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so on that note, speaking of jokes, ha ha ha. Um. Okay, so the Tita Collective, right? I mean, I guess maybe, maybe let's start like this. How would either of you describe the Tita Collective? Hmm.
0: I would say a sisterhood for sure, yeah, um I and like a support system, a support system, cool. you know, yeah, yeah, how about you, Mary Chris? If we're
2: talking also about like the work that we do, it's like definitely. It's a sisterhood and it supports something like you said, but read of multidisciplinary artists because who says we have to pick one art form? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true.
1: You know? Well, I mean, let's start well, like most people know us more for, for a show, Tita Jokes. So let's start with Tita Jokes um, and why that came together. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we have done this spiel so many times. <laughs> Um, but I don't think we have, we've taken the chance to really like individually, like reflect. So f- what are, what's, what was, so first of all, what, what is Tita Jokes and like, what did it mean to you to make this kind of show?
0: Mm-hmm. You can go ahead. Know, go for, oh my God. <laughs> oh, i sorry. Oh, I don't mind. I don't mind. Rock, paper, scissors. No. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> no go ahead. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I just put myself on the spot. Uh, no, it's all good. Well, it, like in the base, like the basic thing, Tita jokes is is a show that um tells it is a love story to our Titas, to the elders and our loved ones in the community. like which uh, I mean, our loved one is the community. Um, just to put like a short description on what Tita jokes is. Um, Tita jokes, I think, for me, was was an opportunity to be able to tell stories that. Um, I I didn't even dream would be on well no I wouldn't say that because this was like a dream let me retract that I didn't see growing up on stage or on tv or anywhere you know and and I think the beautiful thing about Tita Jokes is that it wasn't made alone it was made with with a group of Filipinas that really had that same that same dream and that same Uh, goal which was to just tell stories from from our various perspectives because we're not a monolith like we we all were able to put our voice in and and share space with each other and then share that with our community and and the joy of having um of seeing them feel like be seen with us was just like it, it just you know, having that reciprocal re- uh, relationship with the audience was was such a beautiful thing when we were able to do it live, um, prior to the great lockdown. So, yeah, yeah, that's my answer for now.
1: I love how you mm-hmm. call it the great lockdown. Yeah, right. Like not great, as in woohoo,
0: great. Who as decided
1: in like- it was great? I you
0: were like. like no, I didn't mean like, like woohoo, like <laughs> like
1: great depression, it right? Was-
0: oh, yeah, right. yeah, that's how what I meant. Yeah. Why do we call these things
1: great? Who decided this? I mean.
0: There are many facets to the word "great." Anyway,
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's true. It's true. True. Sorry. You know what? To clarify, Tita jokes was thing number one. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "It's the last show," so you know what? Let's forget the whole format. Sorry. Okay. So, so, Mary Chris, uh, how about you? Like, what did? So, I'm I'm asking this because, uh, prior to Tita jokes, although you probably touched comedy in your different artistic practices. Uh, you this was probably the first like sketch comedy show you'd ever been a part of. So so I'm also curious, like Merrick Chris, like what did well, what did, what did Tita jokes like what what did making that mean to you?
2: Oh my God. It was not gonna lie, it was scary. Cause for one thing, it's like we are putting our stories, our experiences live on stage. And yeah, it's comedy, but at the same time, it's when you don't have when you haven't had that representation of seeing yourself in the art that you consume on a very regular basis, uh, it can be a little, like, overwhelming. But getting to do Tita jokes with the Tita Collective, I also felt really safe. And it just felt, I think my favorite part about it is just, like, there's so much play in it. Like, we've done different reiterations of this, you know, this extravagant bonga uh, musical sketch comedy review. And I've only really had never really done improv before in terms of like the comedy world and even that was like it had been a few years since that had happened but getting to do it with the titas and um getting to write like like just kind of getting to write our stories our jokes like the things that are literal like titas and moms and like titos would say um and getting to do it with everyone just felt really safe and be like oh yeah you know the thing that I'm talking about how about when they do this and it's like yeah I also know what that is and we can just kind of keep Elevating each other. Punching up sure, but I like the word like elevating. Um Mm. and then I yeah, so there's and like we've done so many (laughs) iterations of the show where it's been as short as like 20 minutes versus like 75 minutes. Um, but every time we do it, it's so much fun. And I feel like we always find new things that like we can play with, or what if we just tried doing this differently? Or someone we will just like throw in a totally random (laughs) improv like or joke or something that just it keeps it fun and it keeps it, it but it still exists in the same world and the experiences that we know from growing up in the diaspora and you know kind of bringing things that like our own family members would say I don't know it's just it's nice to not live in the traumatic parts of what it's like being us yeah. and just to experience mm-hmm. the joy and the laughter and like the really fun times. And it's just basically kind of like a big fan jam that I really love and really miss getting to do with you all live.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know what, like a a theme that keeps coming up in both of like, I think (laughs) in our, in our like, not, I don't want to say canned response, but in our very like, you know, well-worn response about like, what is Heta Collective and what is Heta Jokes? And then even even like your responses today, a thing that keeps coming up is like having a safe space to explore art. And so, um, I'm gonna say thing number two is like the importance of having a safe space to create to 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 explore comedy or art. So, uh, thing number two, safe space. Um, so, I'm actually really curious because. Uh, Belinda, you went to uh, you went to an art school from high school to, and then you went you did U of T Jazz, uh, the the vo- vocal program,
0: uh, the know. jazz program, the jazz yeah. program, yeah. and then
1: uh, uh uh Mary Chris, you went to ESA at Topico School for the Arts, and you went to Cardinal Carter, Belinda, right? Um, and then you also went on to do um, what did you study? Like even at at, at X University? It was arts and contemporary studies, which is
2: basically like the choose your own adventure program right. in the faculty of arts. So I right. major, I majored in culture studies, and then I double minored in marketing and English. Right, because we and, could just
1: do all that. And you've since then also worked in many several like very well respected institutions. And uh, a thing we always talk about is creating, creating, creating period, creating period in institution. Versus creating in a collective space that you you created, um. Yeah, how, like how does it feel to create in the Tita Collective versus how did it feel creating an institution? <laughs> oh yeah, oh we're boy. getting <laughs> into it. Okay, let's do it. I mean, the theme for this five thing season is like that we. Obviously, we're biased against institution. This is not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hiding that. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so go on. This <laughs> answer this loaded question.
2: <laughs> Where do you start? Uh. <laughs> so when I was working in like a lot of like different like, I worked a lot. Of, I work a lot in like theater institutions, and a lot of that is one thing. It's like from an administrative role. Um, but you know, we try to. trying to talk about the things that are important to me and trying to see like the changes that I want to see in the theater community it says okay while we're in there can we have these discussions and actually work towards that sometimes it gets somewhere a lot of times it doesn't and that's not fun and like I'm sure that like there are definitely pros to being able to create and work in an institutional kind of way but it always like, I don't, I don't know about how either of you feel, but I know for me, it always feels like I'm hiding part of myself or I'm not really being true to, true to me and true to what I actually want to say, because, you know, you have to listen to the higher ups. They're the ones who have to decide they, you want to kind of make them like you and respect you. And I don't know, it's always just felt like, I'd like to be my full self here. I don't think I really can be. There's always at least some sort of layer. oh hi Ellie. I see office you. <laughs> but then um so yeah, I mean, like I you could I can see it working for sure. And it does. You know, the love to get to work at some of these places as like an actor, performer, or whatever, but it's just really different when it's get when we get to create with the T Collective, with my sisters here. Because that's like it's the place where I really feel like I can be totally myself. Like, all the walls are down. Y'all have seen me in my best and my worst and in the panic attacks that all come with that. Hi, <laughs> oh, let you see, let me see. And just being able to actually feel like freely feel that. And like, I'm not afraid to feel my feelings. you just like, I just need to like rant about something. I know that. For one thing the thing we might be I might be ranting about is something that we also all might be feeling too um but then we also might you know what maybe let's make something out of this mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's always a right a really nice kind of avenue to explore that mm-hmm. that's a long-winded answer but you know a lot of those lines it's just like when it's with the teeth that collects it's just like it's me and all of the glory and I don't feel like I have to hide anything
0: mm-hmm. how mm-hmm.
2: about you Belinda
0: yeah. I mean- Ditto <laughs> in many ways, and I I think the one thing is like with Tita Collective we're able to create why it's so safe is because it's always it's o- always on our terms, um and, and, we've worked really hard to foster a safe space you know, um and we really worked hard you like the thing is like we have put effort in trying to, um create a culture within ourselves. Um, where we can be vulnerable and we can share our our truest selves and our most transparent selves, um, and and I think, just you know, riffing off of what you're saying, Mary, Chris, like institutions, yeah, you do feel like you have you're you're walking with, you know, a bag of masks, depending where you are in the institution, who you're talking to in in the institution, um, because of there's just a lot of gatekeeping in institutions. There's a lot of expectations that are know expectation of perfection which is just like unattainable in general you know you're just not given the permission to fail or the permission to try things um because it has to be to a certain um to to a certain level in order to be validated you know like institutions are definitely just like I, i see why they were created and i and i see i i see like i mean there might be some benefits. I don't know. I'm very like, but you know, like I guess in the in the way that you can you can gather with hopefully like-minded people, but institutions are bubbles, and and I think what is beautiful about Tita Collective is that we're also we also foster like a, a space where we can have boundaries, a space where we can, you know, if we need something like just even for ourselves, like even if it's just time to rest, like we really. I think we've grown to really um you know figure out like how that can work for us and and what benefits us so so when we do things like Tita jokes or like the many projects that we we have lined up um we we can hold each other um and we can also just you know be well rested I think yeah. institutions mm-hmm. like they. The thing is like it they just draw so much out of the individual that by the time you've ended a program you're just wiped, you know? And I've seen that with a lot of a lot of friends of mine or or just like people I've gone through these programs with where a lot of them quit or a lot of them don't feel motivated to create art anymore because they're just so tired and so run down by by the expectations of institutions. And yeah. And let's be real, institutions—they were created at the end of the day. It, they were created from a colonial mindset. So I think, you know, it's a collective because also we because of our awareness of like social social justice and our 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 evolving and and growing, um, you know, awareness of that. Like I think that's something we've tried really hard to just even practice within ourselves. You know.
1: Yeah. And I think maybe it's a little bit unfair to, to like say institutions versus, versus collective creation. I, I think we're making, I think really like the more constructive angle to this is that we are really making an argument for collective creation and creating pockets of safety um, in which to create and play. So, so <laughs> it's hard work it's hard work and so much commitment to create the space that we do because a, we had to really learn to trust each other. And we Mm -hmm. also as a group have to make space and hold space for our full selves um, and also have to evolve together. Um, And that just requires a lot of energy that, you know, if you're an institution and you're a center of power and you you're built on uh principles of that, that really came from scarcity right like mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. The, it, it's just like some some of that is just immutable whereas like a a collective will grow and evolve with you as an artist um mm-hmm. yeah i i always am like if i always, like i kind of really wish that more people were in collectives but just so they would know how important it is to have like A space to play um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um yeah well thing number three let's talk about play because we've been talking about this recently yeah yeah okay one of the most fun things about you know uh uh putting out the intention of of creating a comedy show is that there's really an intention of play although all art is creative and has play, well obviously Comedy, I think, really takes a kick in in, in setting the intention of like, you know, we're going to come into this, we're going to make people laugh. And you know what, because that's our intention, that's the spirit we're going to bring into it. Um, And we just did digital prime time at at Fringe. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think my takeaway from that was like, it was really a nice space to play. And I wonder what your thoughts were if we were aligned in that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, actually it was like I I agree. I think it uh, online shows can be very scary, but they're definitely a part of the reality now. And and doing that show was just it was so fun because one like it had been a while, you know, it had been a while since we did something live, or you know, we also had pre-recorded elements. Shout out to Ellie and Ann Paula. Um, and, yeah, and, yeah, and Paula, and their videos were awesome. So, like to to be able to like Every time. meld those elements together, and there was still a live aspect to it because, like, it you're seeing it again with fresh eyes. You're seeing it again, like. On a different day than the last time you saw it, and I think that was that's why it was so fun for me. Was just like every day was was different. Like literally every day was different. Like we'd have the script, and we're like, I didn't say any of the words that were on that screen, (laughs) but I found something else, and and I actually got to laugh with people in in this like funny shared metaverse space. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was it, it was I think even that was fun. Like getting to like explore what this space was and how we could, how we could um, make it our own was super, was super cool, you know, and I, I hadn't experienced that, especially during these, this pandemic, I really haven't experienced that. Yeah,
1: I'm just going to jump in and explain what <laughs> the digital prime time is, which I should do. So, <laughs> oh, <yeah, that's> okay. <laughs> uh, so, the Fringe Festival, uh, shout out to the Fringe, um, put together uh, another mini festival, which I think had five or six shows. I want to say five, it doesn't matter. I think it Just was five? five. It was five shows. Like um, five PSA. And, a. <laughs> um, and <laughs> basically the shows occurred in like a metaverse type space uh, called Gather Town, where, every, where you as your avatar could explore different spaces that uh, the different shows had created. So we, the Tita Colle- Collective, created um, TitaVille, which is which basically had a center like a square where everyone gathered, and then each Tita, so there are five of us, uh, had their own house, and it was themed to that Tita's personality. And mm-hmm. I would say since uh, the start, uh, since since the beginning of the pandemic, that was really the first time we collectively performed a a live show with a new format, with new material.
0: Yes, which is why,
1: like you were talking about, Belinda it was scary. So mm-hmm. sorry. Go on, Mary, Chris, with <laughs> like, your experience of play and like in this brand new space with brand new material. I loved it. Honestly, it was it was so
2: much fun. And uh, another thing about Gather Town is like uh, Ali mentioned that you have like a little avatar, and Belinda and I both play video games. Like started and Animal Crossing. So basically, when I found out what the platform was, I was freaking out. I was just like, "Oh my yeah. god, it's like a live show and it's a video game." It's yeah. like, "I could have like you know purple hair and I have a little hat and I have a little house and we get to see all these different things, but I also get to perform." What is this? So, got really excited about that. <laughs> so that just kind of like it also like brought that element of play to it because he's like, eh, ah, I'm-, I'm navigating like I'm in a video game. This is really fun." Um, But also the aspect of play of, uh, I. Belinda already touched on this, but like the whole thing of it being you're seeing it with fresh eyes and we have like, you know, new audience members who've never seen the show before and getting to see how they react both with the platform and to the show, because everybody kind of follows each of the teachers around. But, you know, there's a chat function. There's different emojis that you can uh, that your avatar can create. So there's like a thumbs up or a heart or um. Basically any kind of any kind of reaction you wanted to do to it. And I always thought it was so much fun getting to see how they interacted with it. Um, and it was also nice to get to hear everybody too. So this is like it like like Belinda said, online shows are hard. But with this platform, the way that it was kind of built and the way that we had kind of just brought everybody into Teeterville to just kind of like show who show who we are. Uh, some of them have like left their microphones on so we could hear them laughing and reacting to this new material that we had never done for an audience before. And you kind of forget about that when you do online shows and you don't have that live, you know, interactions or live feedback, not feedback, like sound thing, but like, fe- anyways, <laughs> I was going to start to go into technology. technology into tech info there. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, but like actually getting to hear audiences laughter and then getting to you know play off of that was really fun and we got to bring in elements of elements of improv where it's like yeah i'm not i'm not reading what that was that was there on the script or um i'm i'm gonna make like this reference today um by the end of it my like my Tita character had we i learned she was a big swifty so (laughs) there's also like new discoveries and we can make that and then you, you know just get everybody to you know Say fuck off, Jake Gyllenhaal, But Hey,
1: yeah, fuck off, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh- <laughs>
2: I mean, you play the contest of All Too Well in the 10-minute version, because that's the whole thing. I'm going to stop there, because I can go off on of that.
1: Well, but- I mean, d- how did it feel, though, going back to live, I guess? Because in a way, even though it is digital, most of the digital stuff we did, I think, has been pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of nervous. Why? Started- <laughs> Why is that? Why were you nervous?
2: I think it's a little bit of that. Yeah, we're getting back into actually doing a live show where oh, we can't just edit it out, edit out any bloopers or or any mistakes. It's like oh no, this is like what I'm saying. Whatever will be it is just out there. People are gonna say it, are gonna watch it and hear it, and I can't take that back.
1: Yeah, melinda um, <laughs> how did you feel? Did you have any anxiety about like that? Platform? Oh yeah,
0: yeah. There was a lot. Yeah, I think. I mean, at all levels there were, there was anxiety because again, it was like, Oh, this, this, like, I have to, I have to do this. I haven't done this in a while. Like this live, you know, I haven't brought my live self out (laughs) into the world. Um, uh, And there's just like this level of vulnerability or like you just, you're just vulnerable when you're doing things live. Right. And um, I think because i know for myself like i'm i have a lot of social anxiety so i i tend to just like not go out or like go out to parties or anything even before the pandemic so then kind of just being like holed up at home having that like having the prospect of a live show was was really anxiety inducing because it was just like oh i have to share myself in this way and it's not like a self tape it's not like you know yeah like mary chris said you can't just like cut and paste or like take a different take like everything is just what it is in real time and there you don't have that sense of control you know and but then it's so liberating after doing it you're like oh yeah like this is why i love doing this but um i think there was also excitement there was just a lot of excitement to do it again amongst the the anxiety and there was a lot of like how do i transfer this anxiety into excitement and focus so so i can do the task at hand which is to tell the story you know so yeah
1: yeah well for me i think i was really nervous i think it's always nervous to debut comedy work that hasn't necessarily been workshopped before Mm
0: -hmm. um
1: Mm -hmm. especially in the plot on the on any fringe i like fringe is an experimental festival but it's still a big deal (laughs) right it's like you know do you know what i like i don't know Mm -hmm. so the fringe festival like really is a great supporter of the arts, like, you know, the, the whole point, it's the fringe, right? It's like arts mm-hmm, at the fringe. Mm-hmm. But there's, they still are situated at a level of like, if you get reviews from the fringe or if you get any acknowledgement from the fringe, it's like, it, it's a big deal. And so yeah. I guess what I'm gonna bring up is right before the pandemic hit 2019, we did an, uh, a new version of Tita Jokes at the Next Stage Festival.
0: Um, oh, it was 2020. Oh, 2020, January. Right. January, yeah. 2020 January, January. January, 2020 January.
1: Whatever. What is yeah. time? <laughs> <I know. laughs> what is time? What was 2020? It was so crazy like, well, like, oh. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. 2020, we, we, we had put out Tita jokes on Next Stage, and we got reviewed. Right? Mm-hmm. And for the most part, the feedback <laughs> was really good. But we got reviewed um, by Lynn Slotkin. I'm just going to say, Who cares? Um, by Lynn Slotkin, and some of that review was really unfair. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, like a, a part of that was to 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 go from that and then kind of carry that, which I didn't realize I was carrying, uh, to opening a new show with the potential of being reviewed, kind of gave me a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so the conversation that came from the twenty nineteen uh review because it was super unfair i think <laughs> whatever everyone go look it up um uh, <laughs> you want to get think, angry want to blood boil well basically <laughs> spa- basically sparked basically sparked a lot of conversation around um reviews and reviewing poc shows and the i think the the statement and and don't get me wrong reviews are there to like support to support work and to help it grow if it's done constructively, right? Um, and uh, the thing that really angered me, I think this was the statement like the Tita, the, Tita, the Tita collective needs to decide who their show is for. And that was so unfair. I'm like, so what it's for, yeah, we do it for our community, but it's really for everyone and you're a guest in this point of view, which is what mm-hmm. I think is really beautiful about theater. I've seen so much theater that's not the Filipino point of view, and I can enjoy it, Lynn. Mm-hmm. Um, concept. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, but like, I think we'll talk about reviews after this. But like, I think the point that I'm trying to make was, so for Fringe, primetime, after that entire conversation of like, what is the appropriate way to, to review shows that most people don't really understand because they haven't had a chance to really get it you know yeah lack Mm -hmm. of representation for me a big important part of like how playful we got with this show in this experimental format is that we asked for no reviewers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and I have my own feelings just having come through it and I like did that impact the experience for you in any way Mm -hmm. totally it felt safer it felt it felt a lot nicer like a felt like we
2: could play so much more cuz i didn't have to worry oh it has to be it has to go over so well because so and so is coming to this and you know if we get a bad review it could really tank us i'm like i don't have to i don't want to have to worry about a a review tanking our reputation especially because this is new material that we haven't that we've never done for an audience before it's i think it's a lot, a lot of like workshopping that we're doing here too um and so because we didn't have to worry about who was coming to see it like obviously we want people to see it but and I don't want to have to worry so much about what they think about it. And I think we really just got to, you know, live as our characters and live in this and like really just kind of be pre- like be present in Titaville mm-hmm. and get to experience it like with the audience too. And with just, I'm sure like, you know, people will judge whether they're, whether they're a reviewer or not. But knowing that there were no reviewers coming to the show or that we weren't going to get anything like that, it just felt yeah, just so much safer. So it, it was just so nice and we got to be so playful. And if things went off the rails, then they went off the rails. And we didn't have to worry about.
1: And when we it went that. off the rails, when we allowed it to go off the rails, it actually became funnier. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which I don't yeah. think we would have done if,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. So how about you, Belinda? Like, what was your, like, Did did that impact your experience of doing the show?
0: Yeah, like exponentially, like it's, you, you're you just liberated, like you're just liberated from like, unrealistic expectations that like, you know, when there's like, a re- when you hear there are reviewers, you're like, oh, like, I don't know, I know for myself, I get this like very, I think it's just been on my mind, because I've mentioned it before, but I, I get into like this mindset of like having to be perfect. And then that becomes a, a fixed mindset. And then that just like, um, creates a barrier within me where I can't necessarily be creative because I'm not being vulnerable and I'm not being transparent um, as myself or as the character or uh, as part of the story, like with the audience, I can't, I can't have that connection Um, or, or like you can like, you know, training teaches you that you can, but like, it's, you know, you, you know that it's off because of that, you know, there's that inner like inner critic. There's literally just that inner critic in your mind that you've created because you've heard there's like, you know the prospect of a review um and and like not having reviews was just like yeah it was just so liberating like we could just be ourselves and like if it was a mistake it wasn't really a mistake it actually was a gift like you could really just accept everything moment to moment and be moment to moment um which i think is just you know just something that like i'll i know i will carry through even in shows that you know will inevitably get reviewed like it just taught me like, you know what, I I can't, I can't put so much weight on, on this anymore. It doesn't really matter um, because it doesn't serve, it doesn't serve the work. It doesn't serve the storytelling.
2: Yeah. 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 We don't and make like, shows to, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, go on. We don't make shows to get reviewed. We make it for us and so we make it for our community.
0: Mm-hmm, well, Exactly. Oh.
1: Okay, almost like opposite thought, though. There is, a, okay. for me, a, a part towards the end where I was like, I wish now we could get reviewed.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. There okay, is a yeah, part gonna... of me
1: that's like so grateful that opening night, preview night, first show, which is when reviews happen. <laughs> I'm yeah, like so I. grateful it didn't. But then once we figured out the rhythm of the show, like thir- like midway onward, I was like, it wouldn't have been so bad to be reviewed. And like this is like mm. for me like a half baked thought, but my for me like my gut instinct was like there maybe in creating things we're not given enough time to incubate them mm. because the resources are so low and for whatever reason reviews always come at the top because because of capitalistic reasons and not necessarily for creative reasons. Right? Yep. Um. I don't know yeah. like I think in a weird perfect world where we don't live in a capitalist society which we do whatever we're all subscribed to it like I, I know people are like uh, you do show um reviews are supposed to help artists uh, my reviews made artists feel just bad because we're doing the best we can with what resources we have but I think also if they were for constructive you know for for you know to to improve the art form and stuff Mm -hmm. um they would be maybe towards the end when you know the artist feels settled yeah in the theater Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know it's a half-baked thought but there is i will i won't lie there was a part of me that missed it
0: Mm.
1: yeah yeah (laughs) because i was like i I would have loved feedback also when i yeah that's the thing
0: Yeah, and I think that's the thing for reviewers where I'm I'm you know there there are some there have been some great reviewers, right? There's been like John Kaplan, you know, and mm-hmm. and really someone who who knows the process and who knows that it is that those things are supposed to serve the artists and s- serve the the storytelling um because they themselves are part of the audience and you know, I think it is just so important as um as storytellers who perform too to have that you have to have a reciprocal res- relationship with the audience member. And at the end of the day, re- the reviewer is an audience member. So there's that sense of like, how do we give to each other rather than, um, you know, striking down, punching down on, on, and and like having these judgments on a story that may, you know, like us, like it's, it's still in development, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have like, I I hope there are, there are reviewers out there who are, who lead with more generosity than judgment. You know, yeah. Yeah, and realize- those are the
2: types of reviews that we'd like. Or like they're they're also the ones that are like you know they're more interesting to read, and that actually like you mm-hmm. get to feel like as a reader. I think you like you like those are the types of reviews which is like oh this is actually what it, it feels like to be part of the audience, not just
1: mm-hmm. someone
2: observing, but to actually get to experience what they're feeling. What like the, like, the themes that the shows usually talk about. I'm thinking about John Kaplan's reviews now. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. mean, yeah. we're reviewers like him. I know. You know, yeah. like, I appreciate reviewers. And I also just want to point out at this point that um, for those reviewing comedy out there, there is more than just one institution.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so,
1: uh, go support comedy in Toronto. And don't just focus on an institution that can afford the PR. <laughs> anyway yeah, moving really on uh, thing number Boom. four <laughs> <laughs> thing number four talking about oh oh no
0: <gasps> suspense what up. is thing number four what
2: is the- I-, I legitimately don't know what thing number four is
0: let's guess what thing number four is <laughs> <laughs> as we keep doing show. <laughs> the show without okay what's fine <laughs> We'll, okay, we'll try our best to vamp. Is. Okay. Thing number four could be anything. Thing number. Get it? Four. Anything. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, was, uh, I think uh, the walls have ears, so they booted me out because I was uh, too spicy for the internet.
2: We're just dropping Whoa. some trees. there Whoa. Saying,
1: But anyway, thing. <laughs> pause here because we're going to cut here. Thing number four. <laughs> talking about comedy i'd love to know what uh i'd love to know what kind of comedy is making you really giggle these days because i know you two love sort of an absurd we have the <laughs> tina collective we have like there's five women and we have a range of comedy uh that we like so yeah Mary chris like what kind of comedy is making you smile these days
2: well it's not original all well, because we've been talking about it but i think seen dogs <laughs> I know one of you was going to bring it up, but I can't help it. That's the first thing that came to mind.
1: <laughs> Auntie Donna. Auntie, Auntie Donna. Donna's big old house. I love Auntie Donna so much. Everyone needs to watch. Oh my, God. I, oh watch my God.
0: It. God. Yeah. They <laughs> they have like live concert comedy shows, and I'm like, <gasps> it's really inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Belinda? Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> Is that no, it was I was all- the- all- right. Uh, I. I love Reservation Dogs, I have to say,
2: oh, you know,
0: yeah. I that show, like, makes me laugh, breaks my heart, puts it together again, like it just it that show is like, if you haven't seen that show, it's on Disney Plus, Plus, um, and features some amazing indigenous artists and creatives on Turtle Island. And it's just, it's amazing. Like, it's such a good show. Such a good show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We love we love a com. Oh, sorry, America's. You were gonna say something. I just say one more
2: thing because I love guy yeah. like, You know, we're on, we're on a comedy podcast right now. I'm gonna shout another comedy podcast that I just listened to today. Um, there's a really great one called Yo Is This Racist that I've listened to multiple Yeah, That's amazing. <laughs> so it's hosted by uh, Andrew T and Tawny Newsome. Who's like, <laughs> uh, they're both like American comedians, uh, but you know. Tani's a mixed race black woman, and Andrew is a Chinese a Chinese American, and they get. basically vo- <laughs> of so the premise of the show: is people will call in to this, like to their voicemail, and leave, you know, just like a voicemail explaining something racist that may or may not, like a ha- something that happened to them that may or may not be racist. Some of it can be as you know, that <laughs> some of it can get really dark, and it's just like. Yeah, so, like, my husband's family uh, just, like, has, uh, may, or may, like, may or may not be Nazis kind of a thing.
0: Ooh. Yeah, oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> yep. Two things, like, um, okay. the person at, like, <laughs> I, I remember this one voicemail they had where it's, like, a white person who had called in and said, the Taco Bell employee didn't give me any, didn't give me any like, hot sauce for my order. Is that racist? I don't think so. It's just a big race of people. That's just really ridiculous, and it's really funny. But it's also like you get into really good conversations about, you know, what it's like, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and all of the like the there, there's just so mu- there's just so much shit that we have to put up with <laughs> people of color. Yeah, of sometimes so. just really funny, that too. Yeah, and they so. and they went independent recently, so it was also really cool. Yeah, so now cool. they're just like more they're more free. They're like no to the institution. <laughs> Nice.
1: That's true. Thing number four is a good comedy with a point of view. Yes. Yeah. So, (laughs) so thing number five, um, we have basically, (laughs) so the collective is a group of women who have different artistic practices. Um, We're producers. We write, we perform. Um, A question that we've been asked is like, how how does it stop from being overwhelming? From getting overwhelming? It's always overwhelming. Yeah, does <laughs> it? Does it ever stop? <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is I the podcast better- where the Deck Collective <laughs> uh, opens up and says we're we're exhausting <laughs> ourselves and we should probably resign. We didn't say that. That's how think- we're going to end the yeah. season. The Deck oh Collective God, is oh more.
0: We are spoil- choosing rest.
1: Spoil it. Spoiler alert. Oh my gosh. Ellie in the chat is like, what? <laughs>
0: this is we not this consent to this. This is a theater that is
1: playing out poorly. Anyway, go on.
0: <laughs> I think you learn to manage it. I think that's been the biggest thing. I think when I when I stop thinking of like the extreme of like, I gotta get rid of it completely. It's like, no, it's gonna be there. Um, because there are parts of me that hold like, even versions of overwhelm and anxiety, and they're all different. Like, if it's like my inner child, or like my manager, or like, you know, all, all these things um, that therapy has <laughs> guided me through. Um, we love <laughs> I therapy. Think, I think, we love therapy. All of us love therapy. Um, I, I think, I think the biggest lesson was like, just being able to manage it. And Um, and also, you know, if it happens, it happens. And like that instant forgiveness of like, you know what, just have to forgive myself in this moment that happened, or I'm overwhelmed here, but, um, it'll pass, it'll pass, you know?
2: Yeah. I think a big, a big thing too, is like with all, like, you know, with the projects that we take on, it's not like, we're, we're really intentional about the one, about the, the projects that we stay on. Like, Um, it has to be something that we feel really called to do or feel really, like, yeah, I want, like, like, we really want to make this work and it's going to, like, I think it's going in knowing that it's going to be a lot of work, but also knowing that it's going to be worth it in the end because you will have made this beautiful thing that we've been wanting to make and we all have that intention that's like, we're going to do it, but um, just we like we're like we're gonna do it. It's gonna be a lot of work, but hey, there are some things that we can plan for. There, are, you know, we can. I I honestly I'm just thinking about like our spreadsheet calendar that is just like <laughs> so laid out. Like a like we have a tab for every month. It's just like okay, where do we have downtime? Where like like where can we where can we like dedicate time to creating and writing this? Where can we find time to rehearse it and Making sure that we also have when do we have time to rest?
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm.
2: because that also should be prioritized. We can't really create or we can't be our best creative selves if we're not well rested.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. rest and celebrate. I think that's something we're still even learning. Is like literally to celebrate (laughs) (laughs) what we've accomplished or like what we've been through and coming out on the other side. You know, it's 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 so important to do that as well in rest is just reflect and then also like celebrate and have gratitude that it's like i made it we made it we're here and there then there's still like a very you know fruitful future ahead so yes. in order to get to that fruitful future you gotta rest <laughs> you know because yeah. what is it going to be worth if you're if you're burnt out or run down constantly right and then you're not even able to like appreciate what you're you're doing and i think part yeah. of that also is like returning to to the intention that like mary chris like you mentioned is like you know they're in the overwhelm it can feel you can feel lost and if you just return to the intention of why you started that thing in the first place or why you're doing this in the first place then it's like y- that that becomes like a guiding post for for everything else yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and for me, it really harkens back to something you brought up earlier in our conversation today, Mary Chris, is uh first and foremost, even though like we are an uh an artist collective, but we say sisterhood of artists intentionally, because first and foremost, the Tita Collective is a support system. We started off as a support system because we as Filipinas were going through the same thing. Uh, experiencing the same kinds of um, uh, obstacles in our careers and the same kinds of frustrations and emotional challenges. And like when we came together and we were, uh, uh yeah, uh, when we came together, we just became like a, a peer support group, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we decided that we created a space safe enough to start making things. Um, but I think... We have, and we have our mandate. So there are two pieces to that. So I think a lot of people see us and are like, you guys do music, comedy, film, whatever, you do everything. But all of that har- goes back to our intention, our mandate, which is to, you know, tell authentic stories about the Philippine diaspora. So even though weeks, ex- and we explore that in different mediums. So it doesn't feel so, over- it always just feels like we're pushing what we're trying to explore, which is our our connection to our roots, at the end of the day, and our identities mm-hmm. as Filipinas. The second thing is, our priority is to the sisterhood. So, if all of these projects and opportunities are just hurting the sisterhood, we can just stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that's rare. Like, if you, I think you're really taught that if you stop, you're going to disappear. But I think what I've learned in this collective is like, if you stop, then you get to have this amazing space that we've built and invested in for, and so that, in that, but if we stop, we can sustain it for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's for me, like, yeah, going back to intentions, literally what you just said, Mm Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: just yeah. <laughs> on oh, my
1: God, the is there. <laughs> on that note, well, we're gonna, that was the fifth thing. On that note, I'm going to end today with a lightning round, and I know there's two of you, so just shout out whichever one. Okay, here we go. Olivia Rodrigo or BTS?
0: BTS. <laughs> No, because <laughs> <girl. laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, she's Melissa. one of us she's one but of I'm us. in the BTS phase I am in this the is, BTS. is recorded the so BTS here we go <laughs>
1: okay. Kathneel or
0: BTS?
1: Katnil BTS, <laughs> <Kathineel>. BTS. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> Sinigang or Kamayan? oh Sinigang I know yeah. Ellie Posadas so in the chat is yelling Sinigang where she is yeah. right now <laughs> uh, you girl Silvanas or Sans Silvanas. Silvanas. All right. Sylvanas. Shout out to Tita Par- Parley. Yeah. Not an ad, who, ser- who serve both. Um, and last thing is what is next for the Tita Collective or what is next for either of you? Uh, Belinda, go first.
0: Oh my gosh, there's so much that's next. Things we cannot talk about, things we can talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> so bad. Um, oh. Let's just say, like, there, there are many um, amazing new things to expect from Tita Collective. Um, next year which is 2020 um, <laughs> so keep an eye out on our, our IG which is like on the little awesome banner uh, that's passing through uh, for myself um, I, I'm going to be in next stage actually yeah. <laughs> in January yeah. uh, in a musical uh, called Ursa, a folk musical so you can check that out tickets are on sale now um, yeah cool, yeah. Mary Chris not much
2: to be honest, because Melinda already talked about that that thing and then that thing, and <laughs>
1: <laughs> there is nothing so to babe. talk about. <laughs>
2: but anyway, well,
1: yeah,
2: okay.
0: I don't
2: know. Just uh, uh, you, I don't know. You could follow me on Instagram or TikTok, where I might or, I may or may not post. I've gotten really bad at not posting things on social media, but.
1: That's yeah, okay yeah well, we'll you see. can catch mary chris as the star of a new series of memes that we're trying out <laughs> where mary chris uses so good. mary chris escapes from you know the needs of capitalism through musical theater <laughs> so check us out <laughs> yes. uh, on Instagram at the tita at, oh, at tita dot collective there we go yeah on instagram so <laughs> and then you know twitter we barely use whatever so just follow us mm-hmm. on instagram um and that's that's the show and that's the season thank you so much uh village americans and book. ellie it, oh. <laughs> what buy your book oh whatever i buy my book super f- important filipina <laughs> thoughts whatever buy it anyway thank you so much Tita Collective, thank you Ellie in the chat. And thank you AP, yeah, who is
0: thank you AP. wrapping
1: up her first semester of the masters. We're Woo! so proud of you. Um, and uh, thank you so much to Bad Dog Theater and Shannon, our tech and producer. Uh, so yeah, and thank you to you for joining us for Five Things at Bad Dog Comedy TV. Um, check out, you know of all of the other cool things that's happening on Bad dog Comedy TV. And if you haven't yet, please hit follow or subscribe to this channel to keep up to date on all of the cool programming that bad dog has coming your way. And if you would like to support the show, consider donating to www.baddogtheatre.com slash five things. And that's it. So thank you so much. It has been a pleasure to host this season. Go check out all the other amazing episodes uh, of uh, all my very, very famous and uh, attractive friends. <laughs> yes! <laughs> to yeah, yeah. Uh, yo. Yeah! <laughs> uh, I don't know what, what would just happen. Anyway, so I've been <laughs> Alia Rasool by my book. I am Alia by my book Rasool. And in the words of our people, ingat